You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. In the Old Testament, there are two times when God tells his chosen people two words. The two words are go forward. And today I feel the Lord telling the Calvary Church the same words, go forward. With two additional words, go forward, no excuses. Today I want to speak on that subject, go forward, no excuses. One small note, this message is rated M for mature. (laughs) This message is intended for mature Christians only. The message contains use of scripture, the words of Jesus, practical application, and references to the cross. Listener discretion is advised. Every holiday, we are faced with the challenge of being with people we may or may not be interested in being with. There are times when we have to get creative about these situations. According to a very trusted source called the Internet, here are the top excuses for getting out of a family gathering. You guys ready? Pets. Somehow you have to take care of a pet. Some of you who are self-employed are able to use this. You got work to do. Some use errands as a way to get out of family gatherings. Some last-minute shopping. Some of you new parents are learning this trick, but kids are away. To get out of some things. Some of you maybe volunteer on days. You've never volunteered for a charity in your life, but you get invited to a gathering, and every nonprofit in Cincinnati has your name and number. <clears throat> Dentist appointments are scheduled, very important meetings. And dare I say, illness is used. If you haven't used COVID to get out of something, you are missing a really good opportunity. We all have a few excuses in the bag. We see God tell the children of Israel two times. Go forward. The first time is when they are coming out of Egypt. They're fleeing Pharaoh and the Egyptian army who were looking to recapture, kill them. And God takes them on a very specific out-of-the-way route and brings them to the obstacle of the Red Sea. They are confused and they are terrified. Behind them, they see dust clouds of the Pharaoh's army, and in front of them, they see the haunting waves 
of the Red Sea. It's a death trap. But God had a plan, and Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel, Go forward. God had these two words for them. Go forward. And miraculously, as Moses stretches out his staff over the water, the water parts and they go forward on dry ground. Only for the Egyptians to follow them on that same dry ground. And then Moses stretches forth his staff over the water again. And the enemy is literally washed away in water. It is here that we as Christians easily identify with this idea of fleeing from the oppressor and the taskmaster, which is sin. We come out of darkness, 1 Peter tells us, and into his marvelous light. It's an Old Testament picture. It's a a portrait. It's an idea that shows us what it looks like to come out of sin. We understand that sin is an oppressor. Sin is a dictator. Sin is something that controls our life. But we can make an escape out of sin. And what was chasing us and what was holding us back, that sin can be washed away. You got to go forward though. The second time God tells his people to go forward was to the generation who followed after those who came out of Egypt. The Joshua generation. There's Moses who was the leader when they came out of Egypt, but now Joshua was the leader and it's this generation that had the courage to pursue the promises of God. And unlike the Moses generation, who after they came out of Egypt were paralyzed by fear, this Joshua generation wanted to pursue the promises of God. But like the previous generation, they were faced with a seemingly insurmountable enemy. Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest in Joshua 6, take up the ark of the covenant, let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And so they marched around this enemy. This first enemy of the promised land called Jericho, and they defeated the enemy. It's here that we can easily identify as Christians with the idea of a life that is meant to pursue the purpose and the plan of God and the promises of God in our life. But there is a time when we begin to pursue God's purpose and God's plan in our life that, as I preached some weeks ago, that we come face to face with an enemy. It's not just about fleeing the enemy to get away from sin, but now we're walking towards the promise of God, but yet there still is an enemy that we face. 
And it's standing in the way of God's promise and God's purpose. And in these examples, God says in both circumstances, go forward. It's the same direction. It's the same plan. Just in two different seasons. It's go forward. The first coming out of Egypt. The land of oppression and the land of sin and the land of shame. And he says you've got to go forward if you want to come out. There's a crossing of the Red Sea. And Paul makes this connection for us in the New Testament to the Corinthian church. He said, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. He says, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as an example for us, a picture for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Verse 7, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. In other words, their purpose was in front of them. Their promise was in front of them. But they somehow decided that forward was not the way anymore. But rather, it was pleasure and it was their own desires and it was their own comfort and their convenience. He said, we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. He said, we must put, not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by servants. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages have come. They're more than just some pretty story in scripture. It's a picture for you and I today to realize how easy it is to go forward in some seasons of life and then in other seasons of life to stand just doing nothing and allowing the pleasures of our life to hijack God's purpose and plan in our life. And Paul said, beware, these were written down for your instruction on whom the end of the age has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There, my beloved, flee from idolatry. In other words, there's a direction that you and I should be going in our life and it's simply to go forward, to go forward towards his promises, to go forward towards his purpose in our lives. So we see in this place coming out of Egypt, they go forward. 
that second season pursuing the promises, they go forward. It's a picture. It's an example for us. And in the New Testament, we see Jesus instructing his disciples. In Luke chapter 10, verse number 1, says that the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. And he said, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. He's saying there's a place that's full of harvest. It's full of potential and it's full of promise. And I am sending you to go there. Go your way. I am sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Just like the children of Israel were sent into the promised land to face the enemy all around them. Jesus said, I'm sending you forward. I'm sending you into a place where you will feel overwhelmed at times. You'll feel like a lamb in the midst of wolves. You'll be in the thick of the enemy. Don't worry. It's where you need to go. But when we look at Luke chapter 10, it's important, I believe, when you read it, we read verse number one. I see something very particular about this passage that I feel is important for us today. That Jesus did not just tell them to go, but we understand there was something that preceded this command. The verses immediately preceding this passage tell us that the disciples were walking with Jesus. And it says in verse 57, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You can say you're following me, but I want to tell you something, that it's going to cost you something. It is going to cost you to follow me. I don't even always know, he said, where I'm going to lay my head. I'm going forward to where God wants me to go, but I don't always know. Do you know what you're signing up for? And so to one, he said, follow me. But that person said, Lord... Let me first go and bury my father. I would love to go with you. I would love to go forward. But there are some really pressing matters right now. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. I would love to go forward, but there are some other 
priorities in my life that I feel like are a little bit more important. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. It's after this that the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him and told them to go their way. In other words, he's saying that I'm calling you to go forward, but you'll never go forward if you're always looking back or you're always finding something else to do. In other words, you've got to go forward with no excuses, no looking back, nothing else tripping you up, but simply go forward. And I feel that call for the Calvary Church. We can have a lot of excuses. We can use COVID as an excuse. We can use this and that as an excuse. I don't want any excuses. I just want to go forward. Whatever that means, whoever it's with, I want to go forward. Because here's the reality. Good intentions are not good enough. Good intentions are not good enough to realize the promise and purpose of God. God's intentions must be met with an action, and the action is simply go forward. And most of the reason we don't end up doing God's purpose in our life is not because we don't want to. It's because I believe our good intentions are sabotaged by competing priorities. This is where the mature rating kicks in. Our good intentions are sabotaged by competing priorities. Priorities that all compete for the same commodity time. If I just had time, I would. If I just had the time, I would do that. I would teach the Bible study. I would be at church more often. I would whatever, fill in the blank. The intentions are there. They're there for me. But how often our intentions are sabotaged by competing priorities. Let's take a small rabbit trail and discuss how we might spend our time. There are 8,760 hours in a year. 8,760 hours in a year. If you sleep eight hours a day, eight hours a night, I should say. Maybe you sleep during the day. Eight hours a day or night. You will sleep 33% of the year, 2,920 hours. Some of you are like, there's no way I don't sleep that much. But let's just be conservative. If you work or go to school for 50 hours a week, you will work or go to school 30% of the year. That's taking no weeks or for vacation, 52 straight weeks, 50 hours. 2,600 hours. If you take two hours a day for personal hygiene, getting dressed, going to bed, some of you it takes much longer, 
Some of you could care less about hygiene, so you have to judge for yourself. But if you took two hours a day, it would take about 8% of the year, 730 hours on personal hygiene. If you take 45 minutes to drive to work each way, so an hour and a half a day, and you worked every week, no vacation or holidays, five days a week, your commute would be 4% of the year, 390 hours. How much time is left? Those things I've read, you've spent 75% of the year. You have 25% of the year left. That's 2,190 hours left for the year. 42 hours a week for the year. Six hours a day left. If you came to church every Sunday morning service, every Sunday night united prayer, every Wednesday night, every revival service, and attended a life group faithfully, 52 Sunday morning services a year, 44 Wednesday night growth universities a year, 10 Sunday night united prayers a year, 5 extra night revival services a year, 25 life group gatherings a year. Do you know how much time you will have spent? All of those added up would be approximately 210 hours, a total of 2% of the year. If you're involved in a ministry team every week, it'll take an extra 100 hours. If you're every week on a ministry team, it'll take 100 extra hours or 1% more of the year. So to be all in at the Calvary Church takes 3% of the year, leaving you still 23% of the year. 1,980 hours for the year, 38 hours a week, five hours a day. For those of you who are overachievers, you go to Purpose Institute. You get 3.5% of the year. To be all in, 3% investment of time. For a 3% investment of time, what would the return be? On that investment. I guarantee you. You would grow spiritually. You would be more passionate. Your intentions. Would turn into action. You would be more passionate about God. And we. Would be more effective as a church. Where your treasure is. There. Will your heart be also. Where you invest. Time, money, whatever it is. Where you invest, that's where your heart goes. I am convinced we don't have a time problem. We have a priority problem. And what I am most afraid of for this generation, and I'm not talking about these young people. I'm talking about anyone living in this time period in the church is that we collectively are obsessed and I dare say intoxicated with pleasure and the cares of life. All of our good intentions and all of our God intentions are sown among the thorns of our lives. 
We keep trying to grow a garden on top of Rumpke's garbage hill. We're trying to produce fruit in our lives, but we keep casting seed and it keeps getting, as Christ said, those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. I don't know what percentage of time the early church gave to gathering together. All we have are a few scriptures that give us a little context. Context that I think should cause us to understand how to pursue the promises of God for our generation. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now watch this. And day by day, attending the temple together, And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts. Day by day, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Day by day, sowing equals day by day, reaping. I want to be a day-by-day church because we will reap what we sow. If we sow during the three weeks or so of revival a year, guess what we'll reap? Three weeks of harvest. If we sow once a month and you sow once a month into your spiritual life, you'll reap that. You sow every other week, you'll reap what that produces. We sow once a week. We'll reap once a week. If we sow day by day, we will reap day by day. Verse 46 says, and day by day. Verse 47 says, the Lord added to their number day by day. I don't think that's an accident. I come to a close today. A very challenging word for me and this church. Reminded of this story shared by Bishop Norman Pasley the second years ago. Year was 1903. Teddy Roosevelt walked softly and carried a big stick as the powerful president of the United States. Greatest engineering feat in human history had been launched to link the oceans by creating the Great Canal through Panama. Henry Ford was refining the Model T, and two brothers in Dayton were working on flight. Innovation and breathtaking advancement were the order of the day. The future was bright and promising, especially for William Borden. He was a bright young high school student from Chicago. He was unique and he was already a millionaire before he could drive. He was heir to the Borden Dairy fortune. 
His future was without limits. And after graduation, he discovered the world traveling globally for a year. Everywhere he went, though, he was touched by the desperate needs of people. He wrote to his parents and announced that he was going to devote his life to the work of missions, giving up the chance to live in wealth, pleasure, and power. And having made his decision, in his Bible, he wrote two words, no reserves, no reserves. He enrolled at Yale in 1905, and he began to live out a spiritual life. Not only was he a great student, he was a great leader. He led the entire campus, they say, in spiritual renewal. Lots of Bible studies and things that he did. And upon graduation from Yale, he declined to move in the opulence of his financial privilege that surrounded his life. And his mission mindset never wavered. He continued. He felt to prepare and he pursued theological training at Princeton and finally he made a bold move a bold commitment that he would purchase a one-way ticket to the Middle East leaving behind everything he crossed the Atlantic and he was on this voyage he was on this voyage across the Atlantic that he wrote two more words no retreat No reserves, no retreat. Upon arrival, he began his mission with zeal only to quickly fall very sick. He was stricken, spinal meningitis, and shortly after he became ill, he died, passing away at the age of 25. And news was sent home. Sorrow went around the world. William Borden not only gave his wealth, he gave himself in a way that he prioritized sacrifice. That's how William saw his, this amazing life, that even though it maybe had some unfulfilled purpose, in the labored handwriting of a dying man, he finally wrote two more words, no regrets. So his legacy is, Summarized as no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. I felt compelled to preach to the Calvary Church on this first Sunday in January that we go forward with no excuses. Whatever reason we have for not quite giving it our all, I say, throw it aside. Let's go forward. Reminded of that powerful message and declaration as one of his final sermons at this church after serving 40-some years in a mission field that no doubt he faced incredible adversity and invitations to find excuses on why he couldn't and why he shouldn't. But Bishop James Burton, Sister Martha Burton's late husband, Preach to this church a message that continues to echo to this generation of the Calvary Church. And its title was not one step back. Not one step back. TCC, God is telling us to go forward. No excuses. Stop the self-justifications for the lack of consistent attendance. Go forward. 
Stop the reasons why you're not submitting to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stop the the good intentions of, of hoping to give, but never taking the leap of faith to give tithe and give offerings. Go forward. Stop the excuses that allow you to continue in sin. Go forward. Stop the excuses to someday I'm going to. Someday I'm going to enroll in Purpose Institute. Someday I'm going to have that Bible study. Someday I'm going to reach out to that person. Someday. No, it's time to go forward. We're standing with plows in our hands. The harvest is waiting. But I pray that I, as your pastor, am not standing with the plow looking back on yesterday. Looking back on other priorities that I might could do. I I pray that I keep going forward. Because here's what I know about forward. Forward is an action, not an intention. Forward is an action. And forward isn't complicated. Forward is very simple. It's one step. Forward isn't 10 years from now. Forward is simply, what can I do right now? In this moment, in this service, what does one step look like? Because we need to move forward. When Jesus was arrested and he was tried and he was beaten, you can stand with me. I'm thankful he went forward. The prophet Isaiah described his work and he said he was despised. And rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and as one whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him, the chastisement that brought us peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But what does it say? He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He walked willingly to the cross. Step by step. Going forward. No excuses because of the great love that he had for us. So that's why Jesus would say, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? loses his soul Lord we come to you in this moment God we come to you humbly I come to you humbly today and in no way Lord do I cast judgment on anyone in this room Lord because we are all striving we're all facing pressures 
We're all facing things in our life, God, that push us on different sides. The enemy has ways of manipulating our lives. But Lord, your word, just as you spoke as they came out of Egypt, you said, go forward. I know it looks like a Red Sea. I know it looks like an insurmountable obstacle of sin. But yet, Lord, you said, go forward, that you would make a way, that you would wash away the enemy. And Lord, when they faced the enemy at Jericho and the walls were tall and the enemy was mocking, Lord, yet you gave them two words, go forward. Lord, and I pray today there would be a faith that rises up in this room for 2022. Lord, that we are simply going to go forward. God, you're not asking us, God, to jump a thousand feet at a time. You're not asking us, God, to go a hundred miles at a time. All you're asking, Lord, is that we would take one step today. We would move towards you today. We would not let the enemy mock us. We would not let the enemy intimidate us. We would not let fear paralyze us. But, Lord, that we would move forward in you. God, I'm praying right now for those who feel under the weight of sin. They feel under the weight of temptation. They feel under the weight of fear. Lord, I'm praying today that you would give them the courage to go forward in their life towards the cross. And Lord, I pray for those uh, who are wandering in the wilderness where the promises were once uh, something they pursued, but now, Lord, they've risen up to drink and to eat and to play. I pray, oh God, that they would feel an unction from you. They would feel your word beckoning them to go forward in you. Hey, you're going to make a way where there is no way. Oh God, we pray that your will be accomplished today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you've given us all the same amount of time and I pray, I pray, oh God, that we would Allow you to get glory out of our time. Bring glory, Lord, into our lives. Bring your glory into our lives for how we walk with you and how we talk with you. Oh, God, let it be done today. Let it be done today. This service today is a service of consecration. And I'm inviting you, if you feel comfortable, I want you to come to this front as a step of consecration to the Lord as you begin this year. That, Lord... I'm going to move forward in you. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.